Well, it's really good to be out here with you guys, and uh, I did. I get to bring. I got to bring my family. So, uh, so we I had a wedding in Texas a week ago, and so we drove up here, borrowed my dad's pickup truck, and drove up here, and I got to see the caves the other day, and went to the Down Under Zoo. My wife's. I live in San Diego, which is supposed to have the best zoo in the world. That costs a ridiculous amount of money, but praise God, we went to the Down Under Zoo, which she declares is her favorite zoo she's ever been to. And so now I never have to buy yearly passes to the zoo in San Diego again. So you guys have saved me a ton, and uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I was like, it's probably cheaper to fly out here and see the Down Under Zoo than it is to, uh, to, to buy annual passes to the San Diego Zoo. So I'm so thankful that that is now ending so, uh, for us. So let me uh, pray, and then we'll, we'll begin. Dear God, thank you for loving us like we heard. It's just insane that you would love us and that we would be able to get up in the morning before we did anything to earn your love and just receive it and, and find that it's more than anyone has ever loved us in our lives and that it is able to satisfy even the deepest chasms of our hearts. So thank you. Pray that we would receive that love this morning and that it would satisfy us. In Jesus' name, amen. So a while back, uh, I received, uh, you know, one of those uh, emails about somebody wanting to meet with me, and, uh, and it was somebody that was, didn't really, you know, was kind of discontent at the church, and so it was one of those meetings where you're not 100% sure what the agenda is, but you're pretty sure it's like not to encourage you, you know, and, uh, and so I remember, like, I just started racking my brain trying to figure out what are they upset about? Like, what was it? What, what did I say in the sermon? Did, did something happen that I'm not aware of? And I'm trying to, like, prepare for this meeting. And I'm doing all of this, like, trying to think about the topic so that I can prepare for it and, and be ready for it. And as I was doing all this prep work, even just trying to figure out what it was going to be about, I just started asking myself, like, what? exactly is the agenda for this meeting like they, they didn't tell me what their agenda was you know and so I but, but what is my agenda for this meeting uh what what am I doing this prep work for uh am I doing it so that I'll be, better be able to defend myself whenever they you know uh say something or disagree with something that I've said is is my goal to be able to just to answer whatever questions they might have in the most winsome way possible am I Am I trying to persuade them that the church's position on this topic is actually a, a biblical position and the right position? Or, or am I just going in to listen to them uh, so that they will feel heard uh, by the time the meeting is over? What is my agenda? Like, what am I preparing for? As I thought about that, I, I turned to 1 Timothy 1, which I often think about when I'm thinking about conflict and meetings that deal with conflicts, because Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus to confront some false teachers about some things that they were saying. In verse 5, Paul says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And all of a sudden, as I read that, it just hit me. The agenda is love. That's it. That, that, that's the agenda. I don't need to defend myself. That's not what this meeting is about. I don't need to persuade them that I'm right or that the church's position on this topic 
is right. I don't have to be able to answer all of the questions that they might have because my agenda for this meeting is love. I realized I was so focused on the results of the meeting, right, that I'd forgotten what really mattered. I was so focused on how they would respond or how they would think or how I could, I mean, you know, like my agenda before that was really going into the meeting with them being happy when we left the meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just whatever it takes, whether that's listening to them, uh, defending, like, like that was just so, but, but this helped me see like I'm not in control of how they respond to the meeting or how they think about me when the meeting's over. And soon I began to realize that, that this simple truth of the agenda being love could apply to so many aspects of my life. And in ministry, right, just as in all of life, we're, we're always making plans, right? We got this vision for what we think the church should look like, what we want it to be like, uh, you know, we, we, we want to accomplish this vision. What are we hoping this next year will look like? What do, as parents, right, for our children and for our family, we've got this vision. Pastors, right, we're visionaries. we got plans. We make goals. We try to accomplish those goals. We're constantly trying to figure out what do I need to do? What are my goals for this year, for my family, for my church, for the church? And, and how do we accomplish those goals? What needs to be done I want you to stop for a moment, and I just want you to think about the times you found yourself feeling frustrated. I want you to think about the times you've been impatient, the times you found yourself feeling anxious, complaining, maybe even despairing over something. Frustration comes when we don't get the results that we're looking for. Impatience comes when we don't get those results at the speed that we want. Anxiety comes when things just aren't going according to our plan. Complaining comes when we think that things would be better off if we were just in control. Anger comes when someone else steps in and thwarts or keeps us from accomplishing our agenda. Despair comes in when we realize that Maybe we're not going to be able to accomplish the agenda that we've set. But what if our agenda was love? You see, the beauty of this agenda is nobody can thwart it. Circumstances might keep your church from growing. Stubbornness might keep your children from following your instructions. Sin can derail a meeting. Generosity can can stall your budget. A failure to be generous, a lack of generosity. But nothing, nothing can thwart you from accomplishing the one agenda that God has actually given us. And that agenda is love. Love is the agenda that is completely independent of results. What I'm saying is your children cannot stop you from loving them. They don't have to listen to you. Your children don't even have to like you. They don't have to follow all of your advice. All of those things they have some say in the matter of. But they have no say. And they cannot stop you. 
from loving them. People in your church may not agree with you. They may not follow you. They might even choose to leave your church. But no one in your church can stop you from loving them. Even, and this is really important, even if they are unwilling to receive your love. There are people that that will say that you don't love them or that will not receive your love or will put up a wall. But even refusing to receive your love cannot stop you from loving them any more than our refusal to receive the love of God can stop him from loving us. Recently, we've had uh, people leave our church because of different disagreements. And, and sometimes, as I'm sure you guys have found, when people leave the church, they can say some hurtful things. Sometimes they say things that, that aren't very accurate, in, in, in my opinion. Sometimes my heart, like, wants to correct them or defend what we're doing. Sometimes I feel like pointing out inconsistencies with their arguments or inconsistency with their lives, right? Isn't that like, you know, you try to be so nice to people, right, and just overlook so much, and then, like, all of a sudden, they just come hard with all their criticism. You're like, oh, like, I didn't know we had that kind of relationship. But, like, if, if we do, like, we can open that door, then I definitely have, like, a stack of things that I've been, like, uh, trying to, I think I, I thought I was overlooking, but now that you mentioned it, they're actually all right in front of me here. So, so uh, we, we can have a conversation about this. And, um, but over the years, I've realized very little good has ever come from me trying to correct someone who had already decided to leave the church. It's almost like sometime after they decided to leave the church, I, my voice really lost a lot of its power to kind of like correct them. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, usually the, the people that are leaving, are, they weren't very correctable when they were there, but I'm pretty sure that as they're leaving, it's kind of their way of saying, I don't really feel like being corrected by you. So, uh, so, so yelling after them, you know, doesn't, doesn't usually help. And so we've started this new tradition. We're not very far in, so, uh, but it's, you know, maybe the last six or eight. Uh, but when people leave now, I just started writing a letter, and in the letter, I just try to remember, I just close my eyes, and I think of everything that I've appreciated about them and all the good memories that I've had of them. And I just sit there, and I just rehearse the memories. I mean, usually... The, it makes you cry pretty bad because you think of what they're doing now and all those times. But I just write all the things that I've appreciated about them over the years, all the memories that we've had, all the times together. And then I just tell them how much I love them. And that's it. And then I just send the letter to them. And I found it to be difficult, very difficult, and yet very freeing. I'll tell you the truth. As hard as those letters are to write, I, like there's just a sense of closure and of like of feeling like I, I, I feel infinitely better than some of the letters that I've wrote where I was correcting people on their way out the door. And, um, and it's what I've found is these people may not listen to me, they may not agree with me. They may not like me. 
but they cannot stop me from loving them. The agenda is love, and if they are going to leave the church, then they are going to leave the church loved. That's what we call it. We call it leaving loved, and it's just the way that we try to, I just, I get that verse that Jesus says, right? He, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And we just say, leaving loved is the way that we love unto the end. And, uh, I'll never forget the year that God branded this truth into my heart. It was 2016. My family uh, traveled to Uganda to adopt this little girl named Maggie. And uh, we got there the day after we arrived. Uh, we, we picked up Maggie, and she came and was a, became a part of our family. We went to court a few days later and did all the adoption, uh, you know, things. And then we were supposed to wait for a visa, you know. And so we uh, sometimes, you know, some families just leave the children and come home. But we decided we're, we're, once she's adopted, she's, she's our daughter, we're, we're not going to leave her, you know. And so we just stayed, and it was supposed to be, you know, within six weeks and Six weeks passed, and we still didn't have a visa. And then months passed, and months passed. And I was the pastor that had asked the church for six weeks off to go to Uganda. And, uh, and month after month after month went by. And it was an insanely difficult time uh, for my family. My, I took my two children and my wife over there, and we packed our suitcases for six weeks. And just months went by, and we're still over there. And... Um, and it was hard. The church was really struggling without me. It was really, really hard not to be in two places at one time. There was a ton of heartbreak and difficulty, and we were by ourselves away from our family and friends. But I'll tell you something. This little girl and the way she, like, completed our family, she was right. My son was one and a half years old. She was three, and my daughter was seven. And the way they just played together and the laughter in our house. And the way we, I, I praise God, that there was a church that, that had lost a pastor, and so they just asked me to start preaching, so I got to preach every week, and I just worked at this church and just did counseling, and, uh, and so I was having, you know, uh, they liked me better over there anyway, so, uh, so that was nice, but, uh, but, uh, but it was like, uh, uh, it was just, there was something about her that just like brought so much joy and so much laughter. And, um, and I loved that season of our life so, so much. And me and her, like, bonded in a way that, I, it, like, it's hard to describe. And um, it's just, and then after seven months, so seven months we were there, and then we found out that uh, she actually had some family in Uganda. And... Uh, and so I decided we really needed to meet the family before we kept going with the adoption. And we went we met the family. And she actually had a mom, and she had a little sister that had been born since uh, we had her. And, uh, and the mom had just thought that the most loving thing she could do for her daughter was to send her to America. And, uh, and so I spent four days trying to help this mom see that the most loving thing that a mom can do for a daughter is to raise her daughter. And, uh, and she loved her daughter so much, she just didn't know what to, that love looked like. And So for four days, I, I, I had to talk this mom into doing the last thing in the world I wanted her to do. 
and had to take her daughter back. Because she wasn't an orphan, and, and it's a beautiful thing to adopt orphans, but, uh, but I have three adopted kids, and there's a, there's a brokenness that comes when you lose a mom and a dad, and if you don't have to lose them, then, then, then you don't have to lose them. And so we gave her back to her mom, and I still go visit her every year, and we, uh, we take care of her and her family, but... Uh, we got back on the plane after seven months. It's crazy. There's a picture of us with our 12 suitcases in Ugandan airport when we got there. with our, And then there's a picture of us when we left seven months later. And it's like the only two pictures of just the four of us because all the other pictures have Maggie in them. And if you would just look at them, you'd, you'd just think we went on vacation for seven months. But uh, when we got home, we found out they actually have a word, I guess, for what happened. And uh, they called it a, a failed adoption. And uh, when I thought about it as a failed adoption, it's pretty discouraging. You think of all the money and the time and infinitely worse, the heartbreak. Uh, it seemed like a pretty steep price to pay to just come home with nothing. And so if the agenda was an adoption, then, uh, then I could safely say that 2016 was a failure. But if the agenda was love, if the agenda was love, then I, I can tell you the one thing that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that we love that little girl for seven months. And I mean even to this day, but those seven months were spent loving her. And if the agenda's loved, then all of a sudden 2016's not a not a failure anymore. I want you to consider just how freeing it is to know that all that you and I have been called to do is to love. That's it. Love our spouses, love our kids love our churches, no matter how big they are, how small they are, no matter how easy or how hard they make it. That's our one agenda. The agenda is love. Now, this agenda is both freeing and it's overwhelming. It's freeing because it cannot be thwarted and it is absolutely independent of all results. And yet it's overwhelming because there's nothing in the world more difficult or more painful than love. And when you find yourself loving this way, it can feel like a real lonely place. When you find yourself loving other people more than they love you back, it's really easy to start feeling sorry for yourself. You, you think like the agenda is love, right? And if you actually went out and and lived with that agenda, there would come a point in time where you might start thinking, you know what? It would be nice if somebody else had this agenda for me. <laughs> Must be nice to be the rest of the world because I got this agenda of love. But, uh, but you know, like, uh, it was sure would be nice if somebody else had that agenda <laughs> for me. Like, I just, can we, you know, and... Uh, 
that's how it feels sometimes. You know, when you write those letters and, uh, and you get another angry letter back. Uh, uh, but this morning, I want to tell you something, and it's something that Lance already told you quite a bit about, and that's this. You and I are not the first to make love the agenda. In fact, long before you and I ever made love our agenda, there was someone who made love his agenda, and not just love in general, but someone who made loving you his agenda. Paul tells us that the God who created the universe chose this agenda for himself. His agenda is to love you. Not only has God made his agenda to love you, but he is very clear that nothing in all the universe will thwart him from keeping his agenda. Romans 8, 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Verse 37, knowing all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Guys, the, 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 the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who holds everything together with his powerful word, the God who will reign forever and ever loves you. He loves you. Not only does he love you, but, but John 17, 26 tells us he loves you with the very same love that he has for his perfect son, Jesus. Your God loves you in your sin and in your rebellion, in your weakness and in your failure, in your anxieties and in your frustration, in your fear and in your despair, your God continues to love you with the very same love that he lavished upon his only son. That's what I love about that passage, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible that Lance preached on. In the morning, before you do anything to deserve it, after you spent a lifetime doing things to undeserve it. He loves you. He loves you with the love that was big enough to satisfy his eternal son. You can't stop him from loving you. While you were still a sinner, he made it his agenda. Right? That's why while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The full extent of his love demonstrated by sending his son to take your place and to bear your sin and your failure so that you and I might be able to re receive the love that he, Jesus, deserved. God used Uganda to teach me some things about a father's love. One of the things I'll never get over is this. I was in Uganda for seven months. Long enough to know that this beautiful girl that I loved so deeply wasn't perfect. And I left her in a good place. With a mom who loved her, 
with a promise to make sure that she got to go to school and, and had any need that she had taken care of. And that broke my heart, and it hurt me in ways that I can't describe. Our God knew his son for all eternity. Long enough to know just how beautiful and perfect and amazing he was. And he didn't send him to somewhere that was comfortable or easy, but he sent him to a cross. For the father did not spare his own son, but he freely offered him up for you. That's a love I cannot even begin to fathom. And that is the love that he has for you. In the morning, after your best sermon and after your worst, after your best counsel and after your worst, in those weeks where your agenda has been love and in your weeks where your agenda has been selfish. And if you will receive that love, what you will find is that the love of your God is more than you can contain. And so instead of trying to contain it, you can make it your agenda to go out and to love others with the very same love that your God has lavished unto you. That is what it looks like to treasure Christ in your care. It looks like receiving him in his sacrifice for you as the steadfast and unfailing love of your God and then reflecting that love onto others. It looks like letting the love of Christ control you so that his sacrifice in your place sets the agenda for your family and for your ministry. And if you'll let your Savior's love for you set your agenda, what you will find is that nothing and no one in this universe can thwart it. I, I hope I hope that that I can grow and that all of us can grow in that experience. Just an agenda that is independent of the results. An agenda that when once you do it, you can let go of it. You don't have to check back in on it. You don't have to you don't have to be controlled by the ups and downs. No more anxiety or despair or worry or anger or grasping or clinging. Just, just giving. The ups and downs are the ups and downs of sadness and, and happiness, but those are ups and downs that are infinitely superior to, because it's still a sad thing when your love's not received, right? And it's, there's still sadness. There's nothing that makes this more painful than, than, than love that isn't received. But, uh, but even that pain just drives us back to the source, right? Where we get more love. So let's pray that God would do this in our lives. Dear God, would you 
Would you let us receive your love? Would you break down the walls? Would you open up the doors that shame is locked? The dark places, the broken places, the hidden places. Would you overcome and overwhelm our insecurities? Would you be our dwelling place? Would your love be our dwelling place? And would we feel so safe in your steadfast and unfailing love that that we can simply go out and love others? And would you free us from our compulsive grasping for control and concern and worry? about results. God, do that for us in Jesus' name, amen.